You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole. Just so excited to be here. And I am just one of the hosts, Matthew Rushing, and glad to have with me, as she is every single week, Christy Morris. Well, hello, and thank you so much for having me again. Uh, You know, it took me a while to get here since I had to come all the way from L.A. and my Golden Gloves boxing match, but I'm here. I'm so glad you're here. And, you know, for somebody who is just in a boxing match, you're looking great, Christy. Oh, not too sweaty. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, and and, I mean, face isn't puffy. You don't have a bloody nose. Like, uh, apparently it's a pretty easy fight for you. Yeah, well, you know, when you come in and you uh, do the uh, checkmate right out the gate, you're done. Yeah, I mean, why not just throw first punch, last punch, you know? So... (laughs) Well, we are talking about Creed 3 tonight. We're so excited to be diving into this one. But, of course, you can find us everywhere you get podcasts. And wherever you are listening, we'd appreciate it if you would hit the subscribe button. And then that way you'll get every single show that comes in the feed as soon as it drops, whether it's the main show or Snyder Cuts and Assembling Avengers, our bonus shows. Uh, you can also find us all over social media on Twitter. Please follow us and interact with us at the 602 Club. Please follow us and interact with us as well on Instagram. You can find us online with the entire network at trek.fm, on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. There is a listeners-only discussion group you can join called the Babel Conference on Facebook. We'd love to have you join. You can talk to listeners from all over the world about every single show that's happening here. You can also uh, go over to trek.fm, the contact section, if you would like to send an email to us. And last but not least, if you want to make sure that all of the content keeps coming to you each and every week, the best way to do that is to go to Patreon at patreon.com slash trek.fm. Become part of our team we're doing some bonus episodes. You can only get there, the VIP room. So you want to check those out as well. The only way you get those is support us through Patreon at patreon.com slash trek.fm. And don't forget, please give us a star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, those five stars make a huge difference um, and they help people find the show and they help us continue to grow. You know, we've been doing this for a really long time, but... If you'd like to tell more people about the show because you think we're great, go over to Apple Podcasts and give us those star ratings and reviews. So, Christy, I think before anything else, we have to talk about, uh, well, not the elephant in the room, but the no Rocky in the room. Um, Because this movie is the first movie in the rocky extended universe i guess if you want to call it uh where he does not appear at all and so there are some reasons behind the scenes about this and so how do you feel about this film 
you know, not having Rocky in it at all. So I will say before I saw the movie, I didn't know that he wasn't going to appear in it. Um, Although obviously you don't see him in the previews either. It just didn't register that he wouldn't be in the movie at all. And of course, then once you see it, you do notice that. Um, And then when I found out the real reasons for it, that did make me sad because obviously, I mean, they're inseparable, right? Like long term, Sylvester Stallone's face is who we know as the character. And he's produced and been in every single one up until this point. So I think that it is noticeable that he's not there. Um, And I think that, you know, the reasoning behind it, which I'll let you go through, um, is sad. But I also think that if you're going to have a movie where Rocky himself is possibly not in it, then this one kind of makes sense. Whereas it might not have before, if that makes sense to you. I, I think if you could have had, for example, an Apollo Creed spinoff movie, that you could have done that without having Rocky in it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that the movie makes the best of the situation of of the real reason that he's not here in the sense that I think they would have... Uh, wanted to possibly have him involved in some way. Uh, But there are some big reasons that that's not the case. One is that Stallone wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of where the film was going. Um, And, you know, he is quoted as saying that he's um, much more of a sentimentalist. Uh, I like my heroes getting beat up, but I just don't want them going into that dark space i feel like people have had enough darkness and so i can absolutely understand him not wanting to be a part of something to which you know he is not behind uh in that way but i think the other big issue that it's really sad is to hear that you know irving winkler who owns the rights to rocky um Unfortunately, very beginning, Stallone sold the rights to Rocky, and therefore he actually owns nothing in Rocky. Now, I mean, of course, he's made money off the Rocky movies with, you know, being in them and all that kind of stuff, but he doesn't own them. Uh, That doesn't own the rights, which is very interesting, of course, you know, because Stallone wrote Rocky, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, this is literally his character, Mm -hmm. his creation. And so it's very sad to hear that in in many ways, a lot of behind the scenes issues would take away the opportunity for us to have that character involved in the movie in any way. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's frustrating to me that that's the case because as we get into it, you know, I do feel like that there were places in the story where Rocky could have still been in the movie Mm-hmm. And Michael B. Jordan still get kind of what he wants, which is, you know, to uh, to have the character find his own way. Um, and which, you know, in some ways, you know, makes sense. You, you do want characters to to not always have to be reliant on, you know, 
past relationships or, you know, I, I guess, yeah, the whole thing is just frustrating because I feel like a lot of this is driven by things that if, if people could just get out of their way, um, you could have had different choices, but people just being kind of jerky create mm-hmm. the situation. And that's just always really frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, partly, obviously, the issue is Stallone did willingly sell the rights to that character. So, you know, he's kind of paying the price for that decision, unfortunately. Um, and I think he also... Um, unjustifiably is being treated badly by Winkler and his family, which sucks. Um, so, you know, I, I don't like it and I wish that there was a way for him to be, to have been included in this. Um, but I also don't see any issue that he has with Michael B. Jordan, that it's all with Winkler and with the overall, um, storyline, which it was not written by, Jordan. Mhm. Right. So yeah, I I think I think um the, the hardest part here too is, you know, uh Stallone has so much invested in this character because, you know, he it is his character and I think a lot of who Rocky is is very much intertwined with who Sylvester Stallone is and I can I can also understand him having a point of view that where what is happening now in this film might not necessarily be his choice, mm-hmm. you know, as to where he would thematically want to go or tonally want to go, uh, you know, which, you know, I think as we get into the movie ourselves, you know, we'll be able to discuss, but... Uh, you, you know, I, I think, again, to me, the, the thing I find most sad is that we're we're having creative decisions get made with not with, that aren't creative. Right. Like right. there's nothing there's nothing about this that has to do with the creation of the story. Mm-hmm. And it all just has to do with the fact that people behind the scenes um, are, you know, not being great to one another. And that's. It's kind of sad to see. Mm-hmm. And as far as tonally, I did want to say, I think that I see a place in movie making for both types of films. I think that without a doubt, obviously, mm-hmm. Rocky got to where it is because of Stallone's view of heroes and what makes a good hero and hero story. I definitely agree that there's times when you just need somebody like, you know, in the original Rocky movie where he's the underdog, he goes through some tough times, but it's ultimately not considered a dark movie. Sure. Um, he keeps the positivity. And then there are times where I want something tonally more like this, where I want to see a hero really go through something and how do they get back out of it? Mm-hmm. Right. Because... Right. I think that everybody has moments where you do go to that dark place in your life and that that's relatable. I think the other thing about this story is that it comes very much more from the experience of two African-American men, Mm -hmm. black men who, you know, grew up in a home, you know, and their experience is vastly different in that type of story than, say, someone 
most likely like Stallone's, right? Mm-hmm. And so that different experience is what's being put on screen here. And it's not the same experience, right? But right. it's just as important of a story. Right. So uh, I think that's that's the other thing. And what's interesting is that I think by the end of the film, we end up in the same very hopeful place that you would in all of the Rocky, other Rocky movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that there is just a a different type of darkness that has to be walked through for these characters that you couldn't necessarily have in the same way that you have with... I mean, because even when I think of the original Rocky, right? You know, we go all the way back to when we talked about that film. I mean, he lives in a dark place. Yeah. You know, uh, he has this tiny little apartment. He has... He's working dead-end jobs. You know, he has nothing. He has very few prospects, you know. And I, I think... You know, I I think back to that film, and I think this film feels much more akin to that uh, in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. I also even, this film has a lot of similarities with Rocky V, where, uh, you know, Rocky ends up training the person that then he has to go fight. But the fight actually happens in the street. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a street fight. Uh, and, and, and so there's some similarities between that, which was a, a darker... Uh, film as well so uh, tonally i think that this film feels like a combination in some ways of the very first rocky movie as well as some elements and and i'm i'm saying very few elements but a few elements from five um where if you put some of that stuff together you kind of get this which i think just creates a a different tone and that's you know there's nothing I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You you, yeah. you obviously as well don't want all of the Rocky films and the Rocky universe to just feel the same every single time. That gets boring. So I right. think this movie does that in a way that, you know, when we talked about the first, the second movie in the, in the Creed series, you know, one of the things that we brought up was the fact that it just felt too reliant and too heavy on all of the stuff outside of Creed himself uh, and too much involved with, you know, the Rocky universe. And I think this movie has a much better balance in that type of tone as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that you also want to be able to have the audience along for the ride with you and not be in the situation where sometimes I think Marvel has gotten to now where you have to have seen everything that came before to understand what's going on. Mm Hmm. Right. So yeah. Anyway, we're on the same page with this. (laughs) Right. Well, and, and I think it's a great conversation because it leads into this idea of this movie is so much about the past Mm -hmm. and that if you don't deal with your past, it's going to continue to wreak havoc on your present, and your future, which is so uh, interesting that, you know, we're we're talking about the past in the sense of the meta past for this series. Mm-hmm. But what this film is dealing with is the past of its characters, specifically, uh, you know, Adonis and Damien. And their past has really, it, 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 it has, it continues to kind of wreak havoc because 
they won't actually deal with it in a way that's healthy. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, the biggest piece of that being that there's this whole other level when the person that he needs to deal with the problem with is in prison for 18 years. Mm -hmm. So one of them is being forced to confront his demons because he literally has nowhere else to go. He's in prison and he's just going to wait until the time runs out. Um, Whereas Donnie is still literally running from dealing with it. And, you know, I love that you had also mentioned, you know, Donnie originally, well, always in his life, Donnie's way of dealing with his issues was by fighting, whether that was as a kid, just fighting other people or then Mm -hmm. later putting that into boxing. But he's not really a talker. And I like that they bring that up multiple times with now Bianca that rightfully so as his partner, she's saying, I just want to understand you. So I need you to talk some. Mm -hmm. You're shutting me out. Um, is showing how important it is to actually open up sometimes and talk about what's going right. on inside your head. No, that's a, uh, I love that point. Um, I, I think it is one of the things that is so interesting that, you know, Donnie has used his boxing as a way to deal with his anger. And because he's able to release that anger physically, it's it's kind of kept it at bay so that there's always been this undercurrent, uh, but it it's it's low, mm-hmm. you know, it's low tide. Right. And because he retires from boxing in this movie and that physical aggression piece has been taken away that tide begins to rise. That tide of anger just becomes overwhelming for him. Uh, And then, of course, it's completely brought back when Damien comes back into his life and all of those feelings that he's never dealt with, all of those situations that he's never actually dealt with come roaring back to life. And, you know... He doesn't know how to deal with him. And I, I love that, you know, uh, you had shared an, uh, a little interview with the two of them. And they were talking about how this movie is so uh, important in the sense of, yes, this is a movie about talking about your past and dealing with these things. But it's also a movie about brothers talking about things together. Mm-hmm. You know, like men talking about things, hashing it out getting into their feelings, that there's nothing unmanly about dealing with stuff emotionally health in a healthy manner. Mm-hmm. And that it's something that we have sometimes looked down upon for men, but we shouldn't. Um, because this movie rightly shows the, the damage that it can do not only to yourself, but to others if you don't actually find a way to deal with those emotions in a way that's healthy and beneficial to you and to others. Exactly. I mean, I, I, case in point, they show that scene where he's taking his anger out at Bianca and their daughter sees it. And right. even if she's deaf, she saw what happened. 
Right. And she can probably read lips. But even if she couldn't, you know, she sees him getting really angry and animated at her mom. And that's upsetting. And, you know, I, I love that they're showing that one, you you do have to, like you said, find a way, a healthy way to deal with your emotions. That's not just fighting. Mm-hmm. because okay let's say that i'm not a boxer which i'm not obviously but i can't just go around hitting people because i'm upset <laughs> right that's assault <laughs> so you have to find another way and he never found mm-hmm. another way and so i think this is also just every bit as much about donnie finally realizing how to deal with problems mm-hmm. and two with dealing with his past Mm-hmm. And that you have you can't keep running from something you you do eventually yes. have to confront the issue and figure out a way to make it better. Well, and you can see the the way in which this is impacting, of course, not only him, but his own daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, his daughter is learning to take out her aggression and her feelings on people at school without talking about it. Right. Um, yeah. The kid might being a a little turd but that's that's beside the point you know the the best way to handle a situation is not always to punch somebody in the face now sometimes that might be the only way really you know if they Uh, came up and punched you first sure exactly exactly but all she did was rip her paper (laughs) right and so i mean and this 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 lack of talking uh and dealing with the past is something to which we absolutely see happening uh, and absolutely see having a massive impact on Donnie, on Damien, his, his uh, daughter, uh, his, with, you know, uh, the marriage uh, between Bianca and Donnie, um, between him and his mother. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think another part of this that was really interesting is that we also are not just dealing with the past, but the past, and it not being dealt with also comes down to this anger and this lack of forgiveness. And I think that was really exemplified in his mother, uh, you know, Donnie having to come to grips with the pain that it caused his mother when his father left. And, uh, and the fact that it took her bringing Adonis into her life who's not on, who's not her son taking him in as her own son that allowed her to be able to let go of the anger she had at Apollo and forgive him and then be able to have a much fuller life because of that forgiveness mm-hmm. which that whole storyline I thought was beautifully done you know especially since um, it is on her deathbed that I think Donnie comes face to face with exactly what his mother, who he considers his mother, had to go through um, and what that ability to let go and forgive gave her. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was absolutely gorgeous. I really love that because it's it's so key to the rest of this story, especially for Damien and Donnie. Absolutely. She is the example of what Donnie needs to do for Damien. And I mean, of course, obviously, they end up having to fight each other in the ring as well. But that she's trying to send a message to him that 
you have to find a way to forgive someone and move on because holding on to that anger forever just eats away at you. It doesn't hurt anyone else more than it would you and your ability to have a full life. I mean, because if you think about if she had decided not to take Donnie in, and that's why I love too that moment where he, you know, blames her and yells at her about keeping the letters from him and says, if you hadn't mm-hmm. done this, none of this would have happened. And she turns it around on him and says, yeah, you're right. None of this would have happened. You wouldn't have possibly gotten out of, you know, juvenile detention and been able to get a job and eventually become the boxer that you are and possibly father follow in your father's footsteps and had a mother figure who gave you a good home. Think about all of the stuff that I've done for you that I didn't have to do that got you to this point. So, yeah, it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't done these things. So I really appreciated that, that she's saying sometimes even if what she did wasn't right to hide something from him, it was in his best interest because it enabled him to go out and get away from this person that was a bad influence. Yes, 100%. I think that's such a huge part of the story. And again, um, you know, I, I think... One of the beauties of it is that Donnie is able to be able to see things from a completely different perspective, right? And to be able to think of things in a way that he hasn't been able to before. Mm -hmm. And I think it is that that allows him then to be able to take these lessons and move forward, right? He then goes to talk to Bianca. He has a conversation with her. He lets her in, lets her know what happened to him in the past, what has been making him so angry and how it's been so difficult for him to let it go. And that, I mean, that conversation with his mother as she dies helps change his perspective to the point to which he's able to make then better decisions for his own life, for the life of his family, and for his own mental health, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really beautiful. It's it's really beautiful, and I, I think it's very well done. And so, um, obviously, Dame, Damien, Jonathan Major's performance here, his connection with Adonis, um, and everything is so key to this movie uh, how did you feel like this part of the story, that connection with him, uh, it, with the past of, of Damien uh, and, and all that, how does it all work for you? So I really want to praise Major's performance here in general. I think that he gets across so well the, I guess I'll say skeeziness, <laughs> I don't know, um, underhandedness of his character and the way that as an adult that he handles things is not right. You know, I think that obviously he's um, when he's shown as the younger version of himself, he's different. He's not gone through all of the terrible things that get him to where he is now. Um, And they're able to show that ultimately he and Donnie still feel like they're brothers, but they've got this unfinished business between them. And he's so good at showing this softness at first that reels Donnie back in 
and it's just to exploit him. And that even though eventually they get to a place of forgiveness, that Dame is holding on to stuff and blaming Donnie just as much as Donnie blames Dame for things. You know, to Dame, Donnie, he he stuck up for Donnie in his moment of need and Donnie Mm -hmm. abandoned him. And he blames Donnie for the reason that he ended up in prison and that Donnie is the one that screwed up his entire life and now owes him a chance. Which is not the case. I mean, he made that decision Mm -hmm. to take the fall. Right. And so I love that they, they show him later in the locker room that real raw moment between the two of them where Dame lost the fight and had to come to terms with things and finally accepted and said to Donnie, it wasn't your fault. Yeah. I think the thing about this film and, you know, obviously we just saw Jonathan majors in Ant-Man quant mm-hmm. uh, and the wasp quantum media. And here, I think one of the things about his performance is that he's terrifying without having to be really over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has this controlled rage, which you can just see in almost every scene. Um, you know, he has, you know, when you were talking about this idea of him using Adonis and, and you know, uh, when that finally comes out, it's like he lets, like he plays the role of being this kind of subservient uh, I need your help person really well. But the moment that he has what he wants, he turns into this, you know, raging, selfish, egotistical jerk. Mm-hmm. And everything that he thinks he deserves that he's gotten now and he doesn't need anybody else. And, you know, I think that's something to which, you know, Donnie has a com- complete different outlook, right? He knows he needs other people. He's learned that lesson that it's okay to need other people from Rocky, from uh, Bianca, from his mother, right? Mm -hmm. That you don't stand on your own two feet. And um, and so I, I think there's something really scary then about the performance that Majors gives when he makes the turn. And I think he does a fantastic job. And I, I think that having this character uh, from Adonis's past come and kind of be, you know, if this is the final film in the, in the Creed, you know, it, we, the Creed trilogy, I think it's the perfect choice because this is the one that, that allows you to feel as though by going on this journey with Damien, he Donnie himself becomes a whole person. He's free now. Mm-hmm. He's free to be that that man that can truly stand on his own two feet, right? With no safety net. Um, even though he has the safety net, he has his family, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, he does still have Rocky. Rocky's not dead, you know? And so, but he's he's healthier, happier, more whole as a person because he's finally dealt with this. And the the quote-unquote villain of Damien allows him to be able to do that in a way that truly services the character of Adonis Creed. I think in a way that none of the other quote-unquote villains that we've had so far 
for this series have been able to do for him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes this the perfect choice. And again, I think it's the 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 performance that really makes it work. I, Jonathan Majors just brings a, 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 a controlled rage and fear, like uh, you fear what he could do, right? Because mm-hmm. it does feel like he is willing to do anything to get what he wants. And that's always terrifying because he also, I think, feels like he has nothing to lose. Definitely. Because he doesn't have a significant other or children. Right. And so he's definitely also pushing that button with Donnie saying, I'm going to take your title. I'm going to embarrass you and you're going to have nothing left. And it's like, but you already have nothing. And then going and trying to make someone else feel the same and lose everything is not going to make you feel better. But yeah, I, I think that you hit it the nail on the head saying he has a controlled rage. Because that's definitely something you feel from him and that just his presence in the room at like the label party, for example, you can tell something Mm -hmm. is up, even though he's not giving anything else away and he was invited. He just seems like he's being very quiet and measured in his responses. And then I, I do love the turn. And then when they finally do have the fight as well, that moment when Donnie, you can tell, finally has the realization, the light bulb moment of not being that scared little kid and realizing that he doesn't have to be ashamed of how he got here. Mm-hmm. Right. And he has put in the work and he's not just baby Creed. Right. Right. And that's when he really picks himself up and he's like, no. I can do this and I'm going to show you how awesome I am and how hard I've worked to get here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love you bringing up uh, the the final fight because I I think the way that it was done was really special. They, they created that last fight where, and, and the way it shot for so much of the fight, it's just them in the ring and it's this kind of ethereal fight right where mm-hmm. it is them just these two against basically their demons against their past and like you i think amazingly just pointed out it's when donnie lets go of the past and lets go of all of those feelings like you were just mentioning do i belong and all that mm-hmm. where the fight then becomes about the crowd comes back and it's it's this moment where he can do exactly what he was able to do in the first fight, which is use utilize everything that he's learned. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that, you know, there are things to which he's better at than Damien now because he's been practicing for so long. He's been learning from other people. He hasn't been afraid to learn from other people, right? Like, he's had Rocky teach him. He's had um, Duke teach him, right? Mm-hmm. He realizes that this is no man is an island completely unto himself, right? Like, right. That is that is not the way in which to live your life. 
Uh, and that is what allows that fight then for him to be able to win it, mm-hmm. which I thought was really awesome. It was in a, and, and I thought it was a really well done fight. And I liked the way in which um, they crafted it so that it did feel different. But it also not it didn't just feel different, but it also felt thematically resonant with everything else this film has been trying to do. Yeah, this was my favorite scene of the whole movie. I think that for one, it makes sense because even if they didn't have this backstory motivating it, I'm sure if you're inside the mind of a boxer that when they're in the ring, they're not thinking about the crowd, that it probably is like that scene where the crowd falls away Mm -hmm. and it's just you and this other guy breathing and hitting as hard as you can and trying to block. And so I like that it was really very intimate. And that's kind of what Michael B. Jordan says in that interview that I've shared with you, um, that it's very personal and up front and in your face. And so that's the feel that he wanted to bring to it. And I I have to to praise the direction that he did for that. And that he was saying Mm -hmm. he was inspired by anime because I see it now. I'm like, Oh yeah. If you think about, um, you know, Dragon Ball Z, I'm just throwing one out for example, but even though it's kind of a silly cartoon, there's definitely moments in the fights where Mm -hmm. they zoom in and an up close shot on each guy's face, you know, right. And they show like the sweat on their brow and the moments that they're having to sit and kind of recharge for a second. So I see that evidence here. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's it's such a good point. I think it's just it's really well done. It's good filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing that you had mentioned, like when we were kind of like talking about the past and and everything. This movie does talk quite a bit about and and alludes to this idea of responsibility. Um, And I thought it is beautiful in the way in which Donnie takes responsibility for not reaching out to Damien. Um, The fact that he, he wasn't there for him in that way. Uh, The fact that, you know, yes, he made the decision that led to him going to prison, but that Donnie should not have abandoned him and never talked to him again and basically pretended like he didn't exist. Mm-hmm. That, and and it was, it was really interesting to see and hear Damien say, you're not responsible, I'm not responsible, we were just kids. And that's a that's a really interesting thing because it it is such a condemnation about the fact the way this world does not care about kids mm-hmm. very well, and we're we're not really doing a good job of taking care of children, especially in this situation. And that too many children are left parentless, fatherless, um, you know, in these really rough situations. And we're responsible for them because they're not adults. Right. You know, they're, they're, 
their brains aren't fully developed to the age of 25. Uh, therefore, it is our responsibility to take care of them. And, um, But I also appreciate the fact that, that Donnie was willing to take responsibility, that he, he hadn't cared for his friend and loved his friend well. And I thought that was really important because he is responsible for that. Just as much as Damien is responsible f- still for pulling the gun and, you know, uh, having the gun and making that choice, right? So is so is uh, Donnie for, for not being there for his friend. Mm-hmm. And th- there's a lot of re- there's a lot of responsibility to go around here. Um, and it th- part of it just kind of made me sad that there are too many children who do grow up like this who just don't have anybody to really truly care about them in the way that they should and then it ends up affecting the rest of their life mhm and yeah. the rest of society right it's yeah. not just like it's it's a cascading effect mhm yeah i you're definitely 100% right with that and i echo that with also saying I, I loved that they not only bring that up, but are also showing sometimes somebody has to make the first step toward forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that if it hadn't been for Donnie coming to the locker room, even though he won and could have left and celebrated, he came in there and he sat down and he made himself vulnerable and he said, I'm sorry. And like you said, took responsibility, even though, you know, there were reasons he does own that and says, Mm -hmm. even if my mom hid the letters from me, I knew where you were. I knew how to contact you and I didn't. Right. So that's on me. And, you know, the fact that the two of them are both then willing and able to open up about it and really let it go shows that then they can actually move forward and Mm -hmm. that now there isn't any bad blood between them anymore. Right. Because it does create this forgiveness, right? You Mm -hmm. feel that there is forgiveness there between those two characters uh, and that they are able to let go, I think, which is pretty beautiful. And I, I love that. In all honesty, mm-hmm. um, I, I really love the idea that that there is it is that, like you said, that first step forward to saying, hey, I was wrong here that leads to the fact that you can you can f- have forgiveness of one another. Mm-hmm. And that is something that this world absolutely needs more of. So I love that. I wanted to ask you something because I do find that this quite interesting, Christy, is that. You know, and this is where I think the hopefulness that, that comes in uh, that you didn't, the hopefulness that comes in that Stallone was talking about, but each of these movies, it seems like the next movie has the the character be able to be friends with the person that they were, you know, in the ring with last time. 
Mm -hmm. And, you know, this movie obviously has that in the sense that uh, we had uh, Drago's, uh, you know, son be an ally for Adonis. Um, And then um, we also see that Damien and Donnie are able to be able to come to an understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and this idea of forgiveness and, fr- uh, and becoming friends to be able to, 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 to move past animosity is it's just so beautiful. Like I, I just, every, everything about it is I think exactly what Stallone is trying to get across in this series through all these years. Yeah. I think that, both Michael B. Jordan and the writer here really understood what the motivations were of all of the other Rocky films. And that's what plays into this. I mean, because you even see it with Rocky and Apollo Creed, they fought each other and then later became friends. So it's possible. Um, People don't have to stay enemies. They could come to an understanding. And I like that that continued here. Um, and that here, especially, it wasn't just a villain because he needed Donnie needed someone to fight. It was a villain that was so personal to Donnie's life before he ever became a boxer. Right. Whereas with Rocky, we didn't have that. You know, it, his villains were never people from his own past. So I like that this is a way of kind of turning the story in a new direction. Um, And, you know, I I like that they are showing something that I I kind of wanted to ask you, which my dad has told me before. But would you say that sometimes the best way for two men to handle an issue between themselves is to fight first and then their friends afterward because they've gotten the aggression out? (laughs) No, I think that's absolutely the case. Uh, I think it happens to, uh, in some ways, uh, there are many men who could attest to this being the fact, right? And I think that that's uh, exactly what, you know, we we mentioned that that interview with Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors. And, you know, they, they talk about that a little bit, that idea that, Sometimes that's what it takes. You know, it's going to come down to that. Mm-hmm. And I think that they d- definitely do a fantastic job of that in this film. And, you know, I think that you can 100% see that Donnie being able to show Damien that he had made himself a a person to which Damien wasn't ready for because of all that he had learned without him, that he had actually spent that time learning and growing as a person instead of being stuck in the past completely. I mean, there are ways that he was stuck in the past, but he wasn't completely stuck in the past. Mm-hmm. And that that allowed him to be able to to move forward. Um, and so I think that there is something really special uh, about that. And I loved it, you know. Um, but yeah, I think you're 100% right. Yeah, sometimes, you know, guys 
gotta literally duke it out. Yep. But I just think that's a funny thing that is so different about, I think, most of the time, men and women, that women are not going to come to blows with each other as a way to fix the problem. But that it seems like guys that have an issue can, you know, sock each other in the face and they're like, all right, we have mutual respect now. We're cool. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I I do think it is very, it is something that's very interesting that men have that ability to be able to do that. I don't, you know, um, I can't, I'm not going to say it can't work for, for women, but I, I don't think it's necessarily the same thing. I mean, yeah. men, it, it tends to work like that. So um, I wanted to, to ask you about this because I think it is very interesting to me uh, that you have Michael B. Jordan, the star, directing his first film uh, in Creed 3. And so how did you think he did with the direction of this movie? I was surprised it was his first time directing a movie because it was so good. I I was really impressed, like we said before, with the, the end fight, the way that it was choreographed and everything. It just made perfect sense. And you could see the inspiration that he got in the way that it was put together. Um, and then, too, just all of the scenes leading up to that where he's showing exactly what he talks about in that interview that it's not unmasculine to have emotions and to talk about your feelings and to try and deal with your problems head on. And so I think that that's very evident in the direction of the emotional scenes that that's how he feels about those topics, especially the scenes with him and Bianca Um, I love that they have that Mm -hmm. quiet moment where the two of them sit down after his mom's funeral and finally really talk about what's bothering him and what's bothering her. You know, the same thing of like, no man is an island. You're not supposed to be an island in a marriage either. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. I, I. It it's even hard to explain how well I think this movie was directed. I think that Michael G. B. Jordan was able to key into all of the most important things this movie needed and accentuate those and like nothing else got in the way of that. You know, I, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like there was extraneous material. I, I felt like he was he was doing a great job with the choice and the way that the scenes were all brought together. Um, you know, the way that the scenes were shot and, and absolutely the way in which I think he was able to draw out of everybody the performances needed. Because really that's what this movie I think comes down to is that it's the performances that really make it. Uh, every single person in this film I think does a fantastic job and it really brings it to life in a, in a way that you need like because this is such an emotional journey for these characters obviously for creed himself right this is a movie that is all about moving this character from one place to another Mm -hmm. uh and and having him be transformed uh and i think that it's also about transforming his relationship with his family for the better. It's about transforming his relationship with Damien for the better. Uh, and 
I, I think it's all handled so deftly. And yeah, I'm right there with you. The fact that this is his first film to direct, you know, you can tell that he has worked with great directors who have taught him a lot and he has taken that and he has, has made something of it. And uh, I also think it's it's pretty clear that he just understands the character of Creed uh, in a way that makes him the perfect choice to direct this film. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hands down, I think he did a phenomenal job in in directing this movie. Uh, and I'm, I'm grateful and glad that he did because I think he made the right choices for the characters uh, and for not allowing, you know, um, anything to get in the way of these characters' story. Mm -hmm. So, And we've talked about that before on this show, that, you know, the best story is when it's focused on a few important characters and it's a character study. Mm Mm-hmm. 100%. Yes. And and that's a, in all honesty, I mean, isn't that, what we want at this point for this character and for this series, um, because I don't, you know, I don't know where else we go from here, which does lead me to a question that I hadn't put on the outline, but I do think is important to ask is, you know, with this being the third movie, uh, do you feel like this creates a good trilogy to where you don't really need any more Creed movies or would you like to see more? I think they kind of leave it open-ended where, I think it works on its own as a trilogy and I would kind of like if it just stopped there, but I could see how they might possibly go forward with 10 years down the road. Creed's daughter Amara is now going to be a boxer, Mm -hmm. which would be a cool angle because obviously, you know, there's not a lot of women boxers. (laughs) So, right. um, I think that that would be, interesting but i would want to make sure that they had a good story to back it up i would be happy with this stopping here i think that i would like the series to end here Mm -hmm. um i think the reason that is is because i always want whatever it is that i'm watching whether it's a television show or a movie series especially if it's a series i want it to end well Mm-hmm. And I think that this creates for this character of Creed a very good end. I can't honestly think of a better end for the character. And because of that, I would much rather be left in a place where I'm not craving more. I'm satisfied. And I'm truly satisfied with this creating a very good trilogy where I'm happy with all of these movies, you know, mm-hmm. I, even though I wasn't in love with the second film, this is a thing where I know that with these three films, I'm going to watch them again mm-hmm. and I'm going to enjoy. But and, and the best part about that is, is I'm going to enjoy every single one of them in the trilogy. Right. And I don't want to get to the point where we do more like we did with the Rocky series where, you know, you get to the point with five where I don't ever want to see five again, (laughs) you know. Uh, And so I just don't want us to get to that point. And so I'm I'm happy where we are now with that, Christy, I can't wait to hear what you're actually going to rate Creed three. Well, I will say because I didn't necessarily focus on it as much earlier, I did cry twice during this movie, which is a huge testament to how much it moved me. Um, I cried when Donnie's mother died 
And then I cried again at that locker room scene where the two of them forgave each other. Because Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, please show men showing emotion and dealing with their issues, because we do need more of that. And that that is something that would make society a lot better. So that, for one, like I said, speaks to how awesome this movie is. And Mm -hmm. I... I ended up really feeling that it was great on its own without having Stallone in it. Although I do wish he could have continued to be a part of it. I consider it kind of an apples to oranges thing that this is its own thing. Um, And it's called Mm -hmm. Creed three and it could be about Creed. Right. So ultimately I was really impressed and surprised at how much it meant to me. Um, this particular one out of the three. And I give it a four and a half out of five Golden Gloves because, wow. <laughs> I, like I said, I was just, I was so floored and emotional about it. And mm-hmm. um, and the two of them, especially Majors and um, Michael B. Jordan, really yeah. blew it out of the park. Yeah, it's it's great that you said all of that because it's interesting. When I came out of the film, I had given it four stars uh, when I put it on Letterboxd. And, you know, as we've been talking about it and as I've been thinking about it more and more, I'm 100% right there with you. This is four and a half out of five stars. You know, I think um, it, it's, not, it, it, it's not a perfect film. Like, and, and I couldn't say that it's a perfect film. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think there are probably little, maybe some little nitpicks here and there, but they're not even really important enough to bring up. But I, I thought this was a great movie. And the more that I've sat with it, the more I've enjoyed uh, thinking about the film. I, I really appreciated the movie thematically as well. The performances were fantastic. So, yeah, this is four and a half out of five stars for me. And I think everybody should go see it. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it does make a fitting end for the Creed series. So, Christy, before we get out of the 602 Club, though, uh, it's that time of the show where we give some recommendations. So I'm excited to see what you do want to recommend to everybody this week. So I've been rewatching some stuff by one of my favorite actors recently. So I'm going to recommend him as an actor and that everyone check out his entire catalog of work. But um, Noel Fielding, if you're not familiar with him, is a British actor who's known for being a little bit more on the gothic side. Um, He even jokes that he himself is a real life vampire because he just likes having black hair and eyeliner and wearing strange outfits and He's just very quirky, but that's why I love him so much. And he is known for originally debuting in The Mighty Boosh years ago on BBC. And then since then has done a million other things, um, most notably the IT crowd. He plays the uh, guy in the closet with the equipment. Oh, very nice. Yeah. He just is so funny. And now he's on The Great British Baking Show as one of the hosts, which I never would have thought I would see. So check him out. Very nice. Awesome. Well, I'm going to recommend I went and saw uh, with my wife uh, the other week, Jesus Revolution, uh, which is really good. You know, even if you're not religious, you know, it's definitely a huge part of um, American history in the the 70s. Uh, And it's a really well done movie. I very much enjoyed it. 
and I'd like to recommend everybody go check it out. Um, it's it's a good movie. It's a good movie. And, you know, again, you don't have to be a person of faith at all to enjoy this film just to understand uh, this part of American history a little bit better. Because it was an incredible counter-revolution to a counter-revolution. Uh, and so it's, it's fantastic uh, to check out. So I'm going to highly recommend people see Jesus Revolution. But Christy, if people you know want to catch up with you, see what else you've got going on these days, where would they find you? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Bespin Bell. And then, of course, when I'm not here, I do a show with my friends Amanda and Teresa called Sabers and Spells on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network. But what about you? Well, uh, you can find me all over social media under the name Matt Rushing 2 Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero are the places I'm most active. Uh, here on the network, of course, outside the 602 Club, there's a lot of stuff I'm doing. Literary Treks about the books and the comics of Star Trek. The Orb, we've got our 30th anniversary rewatch of Star Trek Deep Space Nine going on. On Warp 5, we've got our 20th anniversary rewatch of Star Trek Enterprise going on. Saddle Up, it's about Strange New Worlds. And of course, as we're recording... Star Trek Picard Season 3, the final season is happening, so you want to check out the Artificial Tango as we talk through that season. Over on the Nerd Party Network, there's two shows that I have. One is a completed show I did with Drea Kaufman. Uh, It's called Outpost, and we talked about the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. You can also find me on Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills as we talk about Star Wars each and every week. But thank you, as always, so much for joining us. And y'all come back now you're here. Thank you.